0: You are listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network.
1: Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed.
0: Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 104. Today's reading is from
1: St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 7 through 16. Brethren, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is well that the heart be strengthened by grace, not by food, which have not benefited their adherents. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin, are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate, in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp, and bear the abuse he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city which is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Father, I'd like to start with a a very familiar verse, uh, one that I've even seen uh, numerous times, uh, on bumper stickers, and that's verse 8 of Hebrews 13 that says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So I think this is fairly straightforward uh, for those of us that believe that God is eternal, but is there anything else here that we should take from this verse other than this more surface-level understanding?
0: Yeah, I think there is more there than what you highlighted. It's not just intended to convey that God is eternal in a metaphysical or philosophical sense, and that's not to say by any means that's not necessarily part of it, but that's certainly not the fullness of that verse. So what is that fuller meaning? Well, it's really referring to the fact that Jesus' teaching is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His teaching has precedence. His teaching is eternal. And you can see that because of the verses both preceding and then those following verse 8. Yeah, I think you can see
1: that because in verse 7, just right before this verse, we have this admonition to follow the faith of those who spiritually rule over us. And as you've talked about many times, when we speak about faith or following someone's faith, we aren't talking about something that's merely intellectual but a way of life
0: yeah that's absolutely correct jason and then you know if you look at verse 8 following the one you highlighted we're told not to be carried away with various and strange doctrines and so i think you can see that verse 8 about jesus christ being the same yesterday today and forever is referring primarily to jesus and his teaching his way of life and how living that should be the focal point of our own lives
1: Good, good. Thank you for the explanation. That, that helps uh, make a lot more sense of that verse. So now moving on through today's passage, there's a few verses that I do need some clarification on. Uh, it's verses 10 through 13, and I'll read them again, and then I'll let you unpack this for us. It says, quote, We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest— as a sacrifice for sin, are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp and bear the abuse he endured. Can you uh, try to help us make sense of these verses, Father?
0: Uh, Sure. You know, I think it's understandable why those could be confusing for a lot of people. And I think to understand, we first need to... Uh, Highlight the context of the epistle to the Hebrews and and what I mean by that you can tell by the name is that the epistle was written to the Jews to the Hebrews So that's why there are so many references in this book of Hebrews to Jewish tradition to the Old Testament It was specifically written to engage them.
1: Yeah, that that context is very helpful And I do think we can easily overlook the fact that all the epistles were written to specific historical communities we're so used to hearing about Hebrews or Colossians or Corinthians, I think we start to view them just as being the name of a book and lose sight of the fact that these were practical letters written to these historic communities.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's why I wanted to highlight that. And In that light, I think we can better understand this portion of the passage uh, that you read, specifically when we hear of the reference to the altar. The author is speaking about the altar that was in the temple in Jerusalem. And whether Hebrews was written before or after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD the reality is that those reading this original letter would have understood exactly uh, what was meant in this passage and most likely had a visual image in their mind from having seen it okay so we now know
1: about the altar in the temple as you explained but what's going on with the mention of people not having a right to eat and about the burning of the bodies
0: Yeah, so what's going on here is a reference to the Old Testament sacrifices, those made in the temple by the high priest, offered as a sacrifice for the sin of the Jewish people. And in this passage, the author's making a connection between those sacrifices and the great sacrifice, that one true sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that, of course, for us as Christians ends all sacrifices. And then what is that connection? Well, the connection is that once these animal sacrifices were made, the people could not eat these animals, but instead they were taken outside the temple area to be burned so that they couldn't be desecrated or eaten by anyone. And so the author of Hebrews is drawing this parallel to the way Jesus was sacrificed, to Jesus' crucifixion. And he notes that Jesus also was crucified outside the city, outside the camp, as it says, meaning outside the area where people lived. And Jesus did this also, the spilling of his blood, as a sacrifice for sins. Okay, I, I
1: think I see what you're saying here and how Hebrews is drawing this parallel. It seems this is yet another case of the New Testament authors showing Jesus to be a continuation of the Old Testament, connecting him to
0: that covenant community. Yes, absolutely. That, that's what's going on here.
1: Okay, so to close out this section uh, on these few verses, why does it go on to say, quote, Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp and bear the abuse he endured.
0: It's a reference to the fact that Jesus calls for his followers to bring in those who had been estranged from the covenant community, and namely those who were unclean or otherwise were outcasts because of some sin or defect, or those who were excluded because of their ethnicity, the fact they were Gentiles. So this is just another example of the Jews being called by Jesus' teaching, by the gospel message, to go beyond their own walls to reconcile the outcasts and the nations to God and to reconcile with the outsiders themselves. Very good. Very helpful, Father. Thank you. So
1: on to my final question for today. In verse 15, we read, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So contained in this verse, we hear the very familiar phrase, a sacrifice of praise, uh, from the Divine Liturgy. Would you comment on this, Father, both from Paul's perspective and the use of a sacrifice of praise in the Liturgy?
0: Yeah, it's really one and the same, the meaning of it here and in the Divine Liturgy. Uh, The idea of the sacrifice of praise relates to the fact that as Christians, those who profess Jesus as the Messiah— who himself then made the once-for-all sacrifice for us, we no longer make animal sacrifices. And this, by the way, is what it means in the liturgy when we talk about offering our rational worship. It's a reference to the fact that there's no longer a physical animal sacrifice. And in ancient times, any time there was worship, any time there was a sacrifice, it involved that killing. But with respect to the gospel, that killing comes to an end. There's no more killing animals, or you know, even worse yet, as happened in some religions, no human sacrifice is to be made. The sacrifice was made once and for all, as we hear elsewhere in Hebrews, by Jesus himself. And so the sacrifice that we offer, again to borrow words from the liturgy, is bloodless or unbloody. What we offer is confessing Jesus Christ, which begins with our lips, but of course also must be followed through by the way that we live our lives as we hear throughout the New Testament. We praise him with our mouths and with the way that we live. And the sacrifice we make is not, again, an animal sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice of laying down our lives, no longer just following our desires, no longer living according to our own selfish will, but completely submitting to God, which of course we know from elsewhere. We've talked about it many times on the podcast. I'm sure we will again as best shown through loving our neighbor.
1: Thank you, Father. Today's discussion began by addressing the verse, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And while this verse points to the eternal nature of God, a more complete understanding underscores Jesus' teaching as eternal. And as we've discussed many times, these gospel teachings And our faith are not merely something intellectual, but a way of life. We then examine verses 10 through 13, where Paul makes several references to Jewish tradition in the Old Testament, including the altar found in the temple in Jerusalem and the animal sacrifices offered for the sins of the Jewish people. Paul then makes a connection to the great sacrifice of the one true sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ. He then goes on to tell the readers of his epistle to go outside the camp and reconcile the outcasts and the nations to God. Finally, we discussed what is meant by offering a sacrifice of praise. Father Aaron explained that this sacrifice is one that we offer with our lips, confessing Jesus Christ as the Messiah. But this confession must also be followed through by the way we live our lives, no longer following our own desires and living according to our selfish will, but laying down our lives and submitting them to God.
0: Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode.
1: Alleluia, Alleluia, alleluia Glory to Thee, O oh God. Alleluia, 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 Glory to Thee, O oh God.